You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Profiles in CRM, Episode 1. I'm your host, Chris Webster. Profiles in CRM asks CRM professionals eight simple questions. The answers vary wildly depending on their experience in education. Because of the nature of contract archaeology and how small this field really is, some people choose not to reveal their name or the company they work for. Stay to the end of the show to hear how you can have a chance to answer these same questions. Okay, now let's do our first question on profiles in CRM. What is your name and who do you work for? My name is Jamie Clark Stott, and currently I am an independent contractor with SWCA Environmental, um, contractor with EPG, which is Environmental uh, Protection Group. And um, yeah, those are the two that I'm with currently. How long have you been working in CRM? Since 2006. So it feels like a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) In CRM, that is a really long time. Right. (laughs) All right. So what position do you usually have in CRM and what's the highest position you've attained? And by that, I mean field technician, crew chief, et cetera. Right. Well, I started working in CRM when I was uh, in my finishing up my undergrad. I just got in as a basic field tech and I would go in you know, in between classes and help uh, with site forms, I'd help with lab work, all sorts of stuff. And then when school was out, I would go out and work in the field, you know, doing projects that kind of fit with fit in with my schedule and then uh, did all that all the way through grad school. And as soon as I graduated, um, they bumped me up. Uh, I kind of skipped a step. I never was kind of a field manager or anything. I pretty much went from being a tech to um, a project manager which was really nice. Um, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice little pay increase, especially <laughs> when, you know, you have all those student loans to pay back. Ooh, a pay increase even. That's that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. And it was really nice because, you know, for however long, like four, four years or something, I'd been working, you know, just in the field doing kind of the hands-on work. And so when I started to become a project manager, I got to see the the other side of archaeology, you know, the office side, what goes into planning for a project and um, kind of the logistics behind everything. And the longer that I was working as a project manager, the more it felt like I wasn't doing archaeology. Mm-hmm. A lot of what it started doing was like focusing on business development and client development. It was sort of all, it felt like the dark side of archaeology to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. And I kind of expressed how I was feeling. And so they, I got shifted more into a role um, as a principal investigator. And so I started working on like research designs and um, research projects. And I really liked that aspect a lot more because it felt like I was returning from the business side of things kind of back to archaeology. Mm-hmm. And, and I really liked that a lot. Um, so, yeah. And now... Um, I kind of have my fingers in a bunch of different pots and working full time for a CRM company doesn't really suit what I'm after in life. And so um, I've maintained some really good relationships with some of these CRM companies and I've able been able to kind of finagle a position like independent contractor position that works really well for me nice. um, for all the projects that I want to do. Okay. So where in the country have you worked? I work mainly in Utah, but kind of all throughout the Great Basin, I've been working. One of my favorite places that I worked in Utah was with uh, the University of Utah when I was in Range Creek, um, eastern Utah. I don't know if you've heard about that. Kind yeah, of. I've heard of Range Creek for sure. Yeah, 
it was just fantastic. It was one of these places, well, it was university-based archaeology, you know, so we weren't under the threat of, you know, bulldozers, you know, knocking at the door. So it was really neat to just see this pristine, preserved archaeology and be able to come up with fantastic research questions. And it was just a really neat place. Yeah, and then uh, 2012, I moved to Australia and did archaeology which worked out really well because kind of my specialty here in the Great Basin is, focuses on lithics and a lot of the archaeology over there deals with lithics as well. So I was kind of able to make a transition across the ocean, kind of doing the same type of work. That's awesome. We uh, we did an episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast that was uh, interviewing a professor at one of the universities there about doing CRM in Australia. It was mm-hmm. uh, pretty interesting it's it's amazing some of the parallels but then some of the massive differences at the same time oh yeah I I came from you know the United States when most of the contracts that you're working under you know you've got a budget and you're trying to get in under budget and not go over budget and you're constantly ruled by this bottom line and mm-hmm. when I went to Australia they had these kind of long-standing open-ended contracts with mining companies and there was no budget and it just blew my mind at how time was spent, how resources and money, it was just like all those really conscientious constraints that we work under. It was just like, yeah, it's 10 o'clock. Let's have morning tea. And everyone was cool with it. And I'm like, all right, well, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little different. I mean, not to say we didn't work hard, but it really was just, it was a lot different than what I was used to. Right. If anybody wants to to hear about that, I'll plug that right now. It's episode 15. Uh, we interviewed Tom Whitley of the University of Western Australia. Incidentally, he used to be, uh, I can't remember, is either project manager or principal investigator or somebody high up with uh, Brockington and Associates in the Southeast. Okay. So what is the best thing that's happened to you that's related to being an archaeologist? And I've heard a number of different answers on this. It can be something archaeology related. Some people have found, you know, spouses or things like that. Um, one person I talked to found $20 and that was pretty much the best thing he'd ever found. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's happened to him. (laughs) So, so what's the best thing that's happened to you that, that is a direct result of you being an archeologist? Honestly, it's meeting all sorts of people that I would never have, um, like a normal chance to meet. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you worked as an archeologist and you know that you're constantly getting new, new people on your field crew or people are transferring in or leaving and you're just meeting all these people and there's nothing quite like wandering around in the desert with a stranger to, you know, for seven days before you're fast friends and you know everything about each other. I mean, if, you know, archaeologists are listening to this podcast, you know that like after a day or two wandering around, I mean, you just start talking about weird stuff and you get to know someone really well and (laughs) I've made some pretty good friendships along the way, so... I think that's probably one of the best things that's happened to me. Nice, nice. That's good. I'd have to agree with you on that, too. Yeah. So what is the biggest thing you would change that would make being a CRM professional better? And and feel free to, you know, think of anything you want. Wow. Yeah. Um, to making a CRM professional better. I think um, I worked with several companies during my career, and I think what would be better is kind of having a more open dialogue between, you know, these environmental or, you know, cultural resource management companies and, and their employees. I think, you know, a lot of people when they get hired on as like a field technician or whatever, it's often in a temporary role and you're never really given that chance to kind of bond with the company or learn more. 
just sort of like as a need to know basis is what you're given. And I feel like um, people would do better at their jobs if they were more invested in the company or in the projects or what was going on. So I feel like, you know, taking that time to invest in an employee and tell them, you know, this is what we do at the company. This is the goal of this project. This is the project manager. This is how you fit in with things. I mean, like really explaining it. I feel like, well, I mean, when that's been done to me, I know that I'm more personally vested in a project and more excited about it. You know, when people or companies take the time to include me instead of, you know, here's an orange vest and we're going that way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So what is your career goal in CRM or is there a career goal in CRM for you? Um, I'm really interested in research and, but also more specifically, I'm interested in kind of public education and outreach. There's this component of CRM, um, and you talked about it when you did a video for me on, uh, on my YouTube channel, but there's all these fantastic things that come out from CRM of the work that we do. And it's not widely shared with the public outside of the archeological community. And so I, one of my biggest things that I like to do, whether it's, you know, finding a way to do that through the company or doing it on my own is really like educating people about what archaeology is and why it's important. You know, I mean, I'm still educating family members of mine why they shouldn't pick up arrowheads and walk away <laughs> with them. You know what I mean? If, I, if I'm dealing with that in my own family, I mean, the larger community out there definitely needs, you know, people like you what you're doing with your podcasts and other archaeology bloggers really just educating and spreading the word about what we do and why it's important last question if you could give an undergrad thinking about a career in crm one piece of advice what would that be wow okay <laughs> um and, well and, and most people say change change your major but uh right let's, let's not go with that <laughs> well to do crm obviously you have to have an undergrad degree in anthropology or archaeology like a related field um but there seems to be like this you know and everybody goes in and works archaeology like as a field tech or whatever there seems to be this like burnout point that everyone reaches as a technician i don't did you kind of have that moment as well you know i i think i've had those moments on individual projects um where i'm just like i am done with this project uh i've had that a number of times you just get somewhere where it's just horrible you're not finding anything in, in the environment most of that was working in the southeast i really didn't like working in the southeast but <laughs> uh I, I don't think i've ever reached that point with archaeology because i've i've realized that there are so many different directions you can go with archaeology right um, and then i started going towards podcasting i published a book i've got a blog and i'm really liking that direction right now Exactly. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I think I, I've seen it and I experienced it a little briefly, but it's like, there's going to be a point where you kind of hit a wall and you're just mm -hmm. like, crap, I've wasted, you know, my undergraduate <laughs> degree or I've wasted all this time. What am I doing? And you're kind of disillusioned with archaeology. And I think my advice would be um, kind of like what you did is branch out and find something that's related to archaeology, but it doesn't necessarily have to be what you're doing. So like you're saying, you know, start a podcast or write a book or, you know, move into like GIS or different or, you know, take the museum study route. I mean, you don't have to abandon archaeology just because you're kind of feeling um, burned out. Right. And I think uh, kind of stopping and reevaluating everything and figuring out that you know, this is something that you love and finding a way to still do that is, um, 
it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't give up completely when you feel burned out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's good advice. <laughs> All right, so uh, I have one more question, but this is uh, something I don't ask everyone, but I'm going to ask you this because um, I know you've got a lot of outlets that you're uh, being creative on. So where can people go on the web to find out more about what you're doing? Um, probably the best place would be my website, which is uh, Um And there I have links to like my personal blog that I do. Um, it's a lot of photos because I'm like a fish. I like bright, shiny things. So I do <laughs> photos. I write about my stuff, but I also have links to like my YouTube channel and different things. I find I get a lot more response from the public through my through my videos more so than uh, through the blog. I don't know what it is. Maybe seeing me talking makes it personal. I don't know, but I like it. I really like it. I like when people reach out and it kind of is, you feel like you're not just, you know, being a creepy weirdo who puts stuff out on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, I'll I'll put in a plug too. Um, Jamie's got a, a great series that's very similar to this podcast series, actually, but but in a different way. Where um, why don't you explain that just briefly? Like what to, what questions you ask and and the videos you have people send in. Well, okay. Um, it's I started it. It's just called um, a dig it video series and what I kind of wanted to do was reach out to friends of mine who are archaeologists and ask them you know what their favorite part about doing archaeology is and what their not favorite part about doing it is and it's pretty interesting because everybody has different aspects that they really like and aspects that they really don't like and it's funny because it's like as I watch everyone's submissions you know I've felt that way at a specific point in my life you know and it's interesting watching it come back um you know, but it always changes. It's it's just fun. I was in the field uh, two weeks ago, and I was thinking back to when I did my video, and I said something about what I didn't like about archaeology. But that night in the hotel room, I was thinking about it, and I said, "What I don't like about archaeology is just the terrible food. Like when you're staying in a hotel room, I mean, you're either limited to eating out or whatever you can microwave, and it's just like it's got to be horrible for your insides, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah." And, and and there are many ways, many ways to uh, to improve that situation in a hotel room. I can tell you. So yeah. <laughs> maybe that should be a podcast, and we have people write in and tell us the weird things that they've done to make it seem more like home. In that's a hotel room. <laughs> that's not a bad idea, actually, to have a whole podcast on that. I mean, I have like three or four chapters in my book devoted to living in a hotel room from cooking to rearranging the room to making it feel like home. Cause that that's part of what causes burnout quite honestly is the yeah. lifestyle. Oh, so yeah. yeah, that was the whole point of the book and, and the blog series I wrote to go with it that it's, it's not focusing on the archeology span because the archeology span sometimes causes the burnout, but I feel like it's mostly the extraneous stuff, the dealing with companies, the living on the road, the, all the other stuff that really causes the burnout. Yeah, Definitely. It's being away from, you know, your family or loved ones and then right. missing important events. You know, there was a couple of times where I missed Halloween altogether and it's my favorite holiday. And it was like mm. such a bummer to see all these pictures of everyone having fun. And there I there I am eating in a diner with, you know, my coworkers <laughs> <laughs> like, in the middle of nowhere. Nice. Well, you could all just crash a, a local Halloween party and say you all went as Indiana Jones. You could just right. <laughs> it actually worked out pretty well one year. There was like this old abandoned hotel in Milford, Utah, um, and it, it's just a cool building. I mean, most archaeologists dig old buildings like that, but um, on Halloween, the town opened up the hotel, and for like 
seven bucks, they turned it into a haunted house and you could go walk through um, this old hotel and it was really neat. I mean, it, it was scary, but it was scary because like they're really, they were real spider webs and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> right. It wasn't fake, but it was really cool. So, I mean, there are some upsides to doing what we do. It's just, you have to find the beauty where you can. Yep, absolutely. That's uh, another piece of great advice. So, well, thanks, Jamie, for uh, for doing this interview, and uh, good luck, and we'll see you in the field. All right. Thanks, Chris. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found on the Archaeology Podcast Network website at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. At that page, you'll also find a form that you can fill out so you can be interviewed on the show. Interviews take less than 30 minutes, and you don't need any special equipment. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the field. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.